0: Hello and welcome to the Don't Eat Your Feelings podcast. This podcast offers you a holistic approach to transforming your relationship with food. I'm Ellie Rome, your health and emotional eating coach, here to help you break through destructive eating patterns and take back control of your life. I myself struggled with decades of sugar addiction, binge eating, and a really toxic relationship with food. I was a former chemical engineer, completely burnt out, and I was using food to cope. I left that engineering job and I've now coached hundreds of people to reclaim their health and transform their relationship with food. This podcast is here to support you on your journey towards a happier, healthier, and more fulfilling life. In addition to this podcast, I offer one-on-one personalized coaching. So if you're someone that's looking for more support and accountability to really make long lasting change, you can set up a free strategy session. The link is in the show notes. And also, if you are feeling burnt out, if you hold on to a lot of stress and are looking for more inner peace throughout your day, if you're looking through to have more clarity, more connection to yourself versus just going, feeling like you're going through the motions of the day, I also offer one-on-one somatic breathwork sessions. So somatic breathwork, we hold so many emotions in our body. So much stress and anxiety gets accumulated throughout our days if we don't have proper ways to express that. That pressure builds and we're not expressing and we're suppressing, it turns into disease, disease in the body. It turns into depression, anxiety, or destructive behaviors like binging on foods that we know aren't good for us, but it's our way to attempt to regulate our nervous system. That is an attempt to feel better when our nervous system is just so shot. And I found somatic breathwork so powerful for myself, but also it is like the number one thing that has transformed my coaching. I bring this into every single one of my sessions because it is so powerful. A single session can help you release a massive amount of accumulated stress and unprocessed emotions. So if this calls to you, if you're feeling like, Oh my gosh, I just, I feel like I need a release. Give this a try. You can set up a session with me in zoom, or if you're in Austin, a one-on-one in-person session. And so the link also for that is in the show notes If that calls to you. All right, so with that, let's go to the episode. So in this episode, I'm so psyched to share with you an interview I had with, his name is Colin Stuckert. He's the founder of Wild Foods Co. and the host of the Better Human podcast. And Wild Foods Co. is a company dedicated to providing high quality, sustainable, and ethically sourced food and supplements. Colin is all about real food, getting back to the ancestral wisdom. And so I'm so excited to share this podcast because he's got so much energy and really just such a knowledgeable human. He knows so much about building businesses, breaking through limiting beliefs and really getting out of victim mentality and taking ownership of our life. And so in this episode, he shares his journey in overcoming sugar addiction and breaking free from destructive eating patterns as well as tools to regain our power, take control of our minds and how to create healthy, positive habits to achieve our goals, how to create a healthy environment to achieve our goals. So with that, here's the interview. Hello and welcome to the Mindful Belly Don't Eat Your Feelings podcast. Today, we have our guest, Colin Stuckert from Wild Foods and the Better Human Podcast. So, Colin, welcome.
1: We made it happen. Third time's a charm.
0: Third time's a charm. And so, I'd love to dive in just to share with the audience who you are and, yeah, what you're about.
1: Yeah, it's been a long, winding journey, of, you know, life and entrepreneurship. Uh, dropped out of college, never did well in school, was led to believe from society in that time that well, maybe you're not very smart, or maybe you're not going to mount anything. And then I like woke up to this world of entrepreneurship and I was like, wow, like I could run a business or I could like do things on my own. Nobody talks about that back in the day. Now it's all hip and cool. But when I was in high school, you went to college and that's all you did. Right. <laughs> and so that I've been doing that for 18 years, uh, professional poker player. Then I turned, turned into, I guess, entrepreneur, started a small juice bar, CrossFit gym. I uh, did that for like six years in Florida. Eventually sold that to my partner to go west to greener pastures, ended up in Austin, had an idea for a company, was like getting heavily into nutrition at the time. Uh, billproof coffee was kind of up and coming at the time, and I was really motivated by that and intermittent fasting, all these different new cool things. And that led me down into the deep path of you know ancestral uh, evolutionary biology, psychology, et cetera. Uh, started sourcing products for myself because I wanted really good stuff and it was kind of hard to find that online. I had to like buy from all these different places and then eventually kind of turned that into a brand on accident. Started selling on Amazon, you know, did like 500 bucks that first month selling whey protein, grass-fed whey protein. And then that first year it took off. And then I was like, okay, I have a company now I got to do this. (laughs) And then, you know, long winding journey since then, uh, sold half the company, bought it back. I'm now back into it, fixing a lot of problems, the private equity group a lot of crazy stuff, a lot of lessons though, learned a lot. Like, I feel like I'm just getting started in a weird way, even though it's like 18 years now. And then, yeah, at the same time, like having kids dealing with some health stuff and just like the ups and downs of life while like always having a growth mindset of wanting to always grow and do more. And now I'm still just doing it here at 37.
0: Awesome. Con I'm super inspired. And I I want to step back into even just like you getting into the health space and the the biohacking space, like what launched that desire?
1: Yeah. So like, I mean, I remember early on in high school was like, I want to be fit. I want, I want to get abs. I want to, you know, I want to get girls. Like that's like the standard impetus, right? I care how I look. And then I started getting deeper into like, well, I also want to live a long time. I really like life. Right. And then, so I started making that connection, fortunately, as a young guy, where it wasn't just about aesthetics, it was also about health. So maybe I didn't explore with some of the you know, exogenous methods to do that as a young guy that were available all around me. I was more like, I want to do sustainable. I want to do it healthy. I want to do this until like 90 or hundred plus, right? And I've always had a health-focused mindset paired with an aesthetic mindset. Now I'm more just like, I figured out the look good part. I'm just like lean year round without really having to try. And now I just want to go for longevity. Uh, I've had to deal with some pain and some issues like that. Some things that kind of come out of nowhere that when you're young, you never deal with and like kind of catch you off guard. And that's been a massive mental struggle, right? Um, so it was just like that, that led to one thing to another. And then for whatever reason, having a growth mindset, uh, from early on, just like the connection that when I do things and when I invest time and energy and I, you know, pursue mastery in something, uh, I get results and just every year getting a little bit closer to like understanding that equation and try and implementing that in my life. And now to this point where I believe like everything is the individual hundred percent, like literally nothing exists outside of you. And then we can get deep into the, you know, the philosophy of perception and these different things like this and how that all applies. But it's like, it, uh, it was just environment happenstance and it's hard to like pinpoint. I don't really, you know, it's one of those things like I could probably tell a a cool story that sounds good, but is it the true story? Right? Like, I don't know. I mean, it's hard to say it's just been a long journey of just wanting to grow and be better.
0: Totally. And I'm curious for you, did you have any, you know, stumbling blocks, failures along the way of like learning what foods were right for you. what was what was the proper? Oh well, from food, yeah,
1: food foods, so food specifically, because like I had those big life lessons as well. like
0: yeah, <laughs> um, both. I love. Yeah. both.
1: I mean, foods, I'm still figuring out. but for me it was kind of like all the standard stuff, gluten, grains, love sugar, eat too much of it. It's a constant battle. Uh, Ted Nyman's work, Dr. Nyman, he's got the protein energy ratio. I really, really think that is like, he should be more popular right now because like people need more than ever. It's a simple way to think about uh, food. But for me, it's kind of like central. I always look at my plate and I'm, am I eating more protein or I'm eating more energy? Protein is a repair, is a builder, energy, fat, and carbs. If you just broke down every meal into that and you're like, do I have more protein here or do I have more energy? If all people did was that, like it would completely transform the way they eat and think about food, right? So that's like a big first principle to think about how you eat. And then, you know, I apply real food. Is it cooked at home? Is it at a restaurant? Seed oils, no seed oils, et cetera. You know, ideally home cooked, which is the one thing for our family that the pandemic did for us was break that eating out habit, which I think is just massive. I think everybody needs to stop being at restaurants to the best of their ability. And we really broke that. I mean, we eat out like once a month, maybe now, which is crazy. I used to eat out like four times a week. (laughs) So... I totally broke that addiction and moved away from that and just home cooked food with the family. And then like, I'd skip breakfast, a lot of fasting. I don't think about food. Like if anything, I flipped it where I have to like remind myself to eat. Cause I've just like so stabilized hormones through fasting and work and just having other things to do. Uh, but yeah, like it was listening to my body. I would say actually to answer that question specifically about food, it was, I used to think breakfast was the most important meal day. Cause that's what everybody said. So I would eat breakfast, even though I wasn't hungry. And then I'd go have like a Starbucks triple espresso. And then two hours later, I would feel like crap. And I'm like, what? And then like, I was open to the world of like butter coffee and intermittent fasting and all these different things. And I'm like, oh my gosh. And then I found within that, the routine that works for me. And then I think the next final phase is to just be, have some grace with yourself. Cause like, I know the things I should eat. I know things I shouldn't eat. And I know when I eat something I shouldn't eat, I know that I shouldn't have done that. And I used to maybe have more shame and guilt and self-conflict around it. Now, I just shrug my shoulders and I move on I get on to the next one. And I like literally I've completely removed all the feelings of shame and guilt. And I think shame and guilt just in general are a very toxic uh, mental patterns that a lot of us have for various reasons. I mean, they can keep us in check at times, but it, but for most people, they become like these things we ruminate on and they, they can literally ruin your life. So that's like the ultimate level, you know, like at the top where you just like, you know it all, but then. You also have compassion towards yourself for when you're not perfect, which nobody is.
0: Yeah. Now, how did you get to that place of not, of kind of releasing the shame and the guilt? Because that's a big one for, special for this audience. I'd be
1: a billionaire if I could, if I could sell or convince, like tell you how to do that, right? Like that's, that's the hard part. It's everyone's got their own, the thing, their own things they have to overcome. Um, I mean, I do like to focus on first principles though, because questions like that, if you don't know the specific thing and you can't really give advice that applies to everyone, well, you have to get rid of everything that is not the baseline first principle. You go down to the first principles and what are those core things that are for sure true and then spend as much time as there as possible, you know, master the fundamentals. Um, Zen mind, beginner's mind, like the principles, the basics, the things that you know for sure. It's it's quite amazing how like 90% of results in life are just there. Maybe even more for some people, it's like 99% of the results are just like doing the basics. And you see a lot of money is made in confusion, whether it's coaching, nutrition, products, supplements, weight loss, things, whatever the next new thing, there's a lot of money made in confusion and in promises and in, in nonsense. And if you just ignored all that and you started the basics, the things we know for sure, like cook all your foods at home, right? Stop eating at restaurants, you know, stop eating food that's in a package, mass produced, like all these very basic things like it would just solve so many of the problems people run into with all the confu- confusion and and just like ha- feeling that they don't know where to turn, who to ask. They're always looking for like some expert to tell them the new thing or, or what's true. And the truth is out there. Right. So yeah. I mean, I don't know if that answers the question, but it's like, it's a, uh, it's a hard one to answer, but the best answer is somewhere focusing on the basics.
0: Yeah. And what do you think like the core basic principles are for somebody? Like, what is that first, those first principles
1: as it relates to nutrition. Yeah. Whole real foods, right? Focus on protein to energy. So generally lower carb for most people. Um, ample ample protein, ample fat. You Then you throttle those numbers based on like goals, you know, you know dietary restrictions, whatever. Uh, generally less or no grains, very inflammatory. Um, and then just like that, I mean, honestly, that's it. Like if you just ate like, whole real home-cooked food with clean, pure ingredients, ideally local as much as possible, like not seed oils and not any of this mass-produced stuff that our ancestors wouldn't have been able to eat. And you just did that at home every day. I mean, people could have anybody they want if they did just that, right? The The, the struggle is like doing that. You know, you got to figure out how to get to that place, you know? <laughs> so that's it though. It's a few simple things
0: oh yeah i mean this is beautiful and i love it and it's even speaking to like today like i rarely eat out i ate out this morning because my friends after we did some um i lead this like wim hof group and we went to breakfast i got just plain eggs and two strips of bacon and i had like the worst stomach ache when i got home i was like what is going on and And i know they either put in yeah
1: exactly yep
0: so you don't know what they're sneaking in our food yeah um before And then generally, so you say like this first principles and it seems to be a theme in your teachings and I'm curious to mm-hmm. share more about it as far as like general life. What does that mean?
1: Yeah. So I like to use the example that most people use or, or that I guess is I've read in books and whatever. It's kind of in pop culture right now around Elon Musk, right? When he was building SpaceX. So he was trying to buy a rocket and the rocket industry was like, well, if you want to buy use ICBM, it's going to be like hundred million dollars. And he kept going around, like, the best price I think he could get was like 20 to 40 million to do a launch where he could maybe find like an old crusty Russian rocket and then he could get enough rocket fuel and he could make it happen. And he's like, he just wasn't in his budget, right? So what he started doing is he asked himself, what are the core foundational elements that go into launching a rocket into space? You need a certain amount of zinc, silicone, you know, titanium, aluminum, all the rare minerals that if I just bought them on the market and I had them, right? What would that cost? And he started from there as a first principle because you know for sure you need a certain amount of rocket fuel. You need a certain amount of all these different things that go in a rocket, right? Then you have to figure out how to put it together and that's going to have a cost. Then you have to get the fuel. That's going to have a cost. And what he found out by doing that thought experiment was that most of the aerospace industry was based on sourcing products from all over. And every time you source a product from a new company, they have a profit margin built into because that's how they make money, right? So think about it. If you source 10,000 products or I think some estimates were like 100,000 different components go into a rocket, you're basically paying profit on a hundred thousand different unique products, right? So no wonder it's so freaking expensive because that's just what was going on in the, in the industry. So his breakthrough was we're going to manufacture parts in house. And they did, they, they literally still to this day, like manufacture most of their parts for the rockets in house so that they don't have to bake in profit into everything, single thing that they buy. They can also innovate faster because instead of like, having a company you have to go through this whole R&D cycle to create a product they can literally just like manufacture in house and test it right so it's also like a speed thing and that's a way to think about it what are the core foundational things on any topic right anything you're trying to figure out or diagnose what are those core foundational things that aren't going to change another good story to explain that is a quote by Bezos from Amazon back in the day and reporter asked him so jeff what do you think is going to like change in the next 10 years like you know what do you see in the future and His reply was basically, you know, the question I never get, I never get a question of what's not going to change in 10 years. That's what we focus on at Amazon. Wide selection, fast shipping and amazing service. So we don't think about what's going to change and try to like catch the next wave or trend. We focus on what's not going to change and try to become the best in the world at it. And that's why Amazon is Amazon, because they focus on those core things that people are always going to want. They're always going to want wide wide selection. They're always going to want best prices. And they're always gonna want uh, fast shipping speed and great service, right? Another way to think about that. The things that aren't gonna change, what are those? And like we talked about nutrition a second ago, real food's always gonna be the foundation. Like we haven't figured out how to make food in a lab and it, may, and it can be good for you. Like maybe in 50 years, maybe in a hundred, maybe we never solved that. So for now, If you take raw ingredients at home and you prep them yourself and you use a certain oil, certain cooking methods, certain whatever, and it's a really, you know, it's grown without pesticides, it's grown locally, it's not shipped, it's not no preservatives, and you just put that together into a meal, right? That is the pinnacle of human nutrition, right? That's like the first principle that's not going to change, right? And then from that, you kind of reverse engineer everything like- Am I eating at restaurants a lot? How far am I from this foundational principle? Am I like over here eating in restaurants and packages every day? Well, maybe I can start eating like half my meals at home. And I'm like, I'm I'm trying to march back towards that foundational ideal, right? And then I got to use all the different like ha- apps, gadgets, tools, whatever to get there, right? If there's some other topics you want to explore, we can kind of get into that. But there's like so many, I mean, you have like psychology, you have education, you have raising kids, you have relationships. Like in each one of those, there are foundational first principles that if most people spent, most of their time thinking about and improving on and mastering the foundational principles, all of the problems related to any, to any topic they're trying to address tend to go away or get better. Like, and you just apply this kind of thinking to everything in life. And you can, I mean, you gotta say no to all the shiny stuff. That's the thing. Like you have to be willing to say no to all the shiny new stuff, like, you know, the grass is greener syndrome, whatever, and just focus on the basics and do it over and over and over and over and over and over again, forever, basically, <laughs>
0: Yeah. Can we do an example with psychology? Can you break that sure. down?
1: Okay. So psychology for me, for me, the, a foundational principle of human psychology is evolutionary psychology. Now that is not a very um, it's not a settled field by any means because we can't like go back hundred thousand years and perform experiments or anything. Uh, psychology itself is very hard to prove falsification or to replicate studies. There's a lot of issues with study replication in psychology. So you have to kind of like take a lot of stuff with a grain of salt. And so I think about it this way. I like to think about what did a hunter-gatherer group of humans look like? How did they live on a day-to-day basis? Things like sharing meat, things like not hoarding resources, things like shame and guilt and ridicule. There's actually a very good story about a modern-day hunter-gatherer that was observed by – they were being studied by some anthropologists. I don't know if this is in the early 1900s. I don't know if it was today. I mean there are still some hunter-gatherers around that live, but it's really hard to go back and study humans that would have lived like hundred thousand years ago it's it's still different because a lot of hunter gatherer groups today have still been introduced to civilization in some capacity so it might not be like a true representation but there is a story that he documented where this one hunter brought back a kill and it was a very big kill it was uh going to feed a lot of people and they had a practice in the tribe known as shaming the meat Now, I don't know if this is a rough translation and I don't know how they said it, but that was the translation that the anthropologist or the translator came up with. It was this idea that when you brought a kill back, you were supposed to shame your kill. you were supposed to make fun of it as like, look at this poultry, pathetic kill that I'm bringing to the tribe. Right. You're supposed to do that as a mechanism to make sure that you didn't get too big of an ego. Because when you have a big ego in a hunter gatherer society, which is fiercely egalitarian, which is everyone is equal, you are then a threat to the tribe. Either you will do something when you're hunting that might threaten someone, or you'll hoard resources, or you'll just do things that are otherwise not beneficial to the group. Right. So they had these, and you can observe all these interesting kind of like tribal cultural practices that would, that were reinforcing this idea that the group is the primary. Thing because our species figured out that to evolve to move to the top of the food chain, it was groups. You don't survive in the wild as an individual human, you just don't do it. Right. Like, and so it was the group. We always prioritize the group. That so that is a foundational principle. Now, from that, you get like different thought experiments. And you can like think about like, well, why do we have like group psychology? Why do we have like the madness of crowds and like these types of things where in large groups humans can act very crazy? Like they can, I mean, we we've slaughtered members. Of our own species. Like humans are the, actually the most ruthless animal on earth, right? We've killed more species of and our own of our, than any other animal observed in nature, right? Humans take the cake for that, unfortunately, right? Uh, we but on the other side, we also have m- like massive capacity for empathy. And you know we have like uh, brotherly love and sisterly love and raising children. and like we have all these things like even like small animals are they're always cute to us. It's that kind of like paternal instinct that's built into all of us, right? So, Those are the things. And like, again, like there's different, I I need an example to think about it, but like I try to always think about what would it be like in that setting? And then how does that apply to things today, whether it's relationships, whether it's things like monogamy, whether it's like betrayal, the idea of somebody cheating on you. Usually it's more about the feeling of betrayal and they can't trust them, like all these different things. Everything has an evolutionary evolutionary, uh, explanation as to why that's the case. Now, of course, there's cultural reasons why some things happen too. Which is like, so you have to like balance that in. But the foundational principle is that humans are the same today as we were 100,000 years ago. Right. That's why we do a lot of the same stuff. That's why there's still war today. That's why there's still genocide today. That's why there's still raping and all these terrible things, like the ugliest parts of human nature. It's why they still exist today, no matter even though we're like so civilized. Right. I could go on and on. So, like, wherever you want to take that, you know, you, know, you let me know.
0: Yeah. I guess how do we apply that into a, our day to day? Life of like a, a specific example of how to change a behavior or to even moving into like the your principles of ownership. Like how do we yeah. use yeah,
1: that? Yeah, that's I'm trying to think of some some specific examples. It's like, I mean, everything, I mean, there's there's finance, there's relationships, there's child rearing. Um okay, so as a father of three, let's focus on kids in schooling for a, for a minute. Most parents follow. The status quo, which is you send your kids to school, you get like a certain amount of vaccines by the time you're a certain age. You do all these things. You're basically trained to not question any of it. You're supposed to just do it because everyone else does it. And unfortunately, and this is where we get into some of the uglier parts of human nature. And this is just um, I'm trying I'm not trying to add my judgment here, but this is just like truth. This is fact. You you know, numbers back this up. And like I said, humans, we can do some pretty ugly things, pretty nasty things. (laughs) Uh, We have a long history of doing that, but. Most average people will raise their children in a way that matches the society they live in. And most of them will do it without really questioning it. Right. And to me as a father, uh, and also as a kid that grew up with some of these things, like not fitting in with school, like, you know, like having problems with authority, you know, not like, like you're supposed to sit in a chair for eight hours a day and just sit there and like feeling like shame and guilt around that. the fact that I couldn't do that, even though it's literally unnatural, like that kind of stuff. Right. And then seeing close up with Allison, um, my partner, seeing some of the, the really gross stuff around birthing children that the medical industry preys on, that make, they make money off of like C-sections and epidurals and all this other crap. I, I, I delivered so, so for example, I delivered my daughter in our bathroom floor three weeks ago what? on the ground. Now that was a kind of an accident. Like we didn't really plan that. It was a home birth, but our doula and midwife were two hours away. And the baby was like, I'm not waiting. So we did it. (laughs) So that happened. Right. And it was actually pretty empowering. And it was just another like reminder of like, who needs a team of medical professionals to do something we've been doing for you know hundreds of thousands of years. Right. I'm not suggesting everyone should do that. Like we still had a midwife and a doula and like, there's like training around it. There's knowledge around it. Like, yeah, do things, be safe. Right. Have a a path to the hospital if there's like a complication, but in most cases, you know, maybe 99 out of hundred, you don't even need a hospital. Right. So that's just like one example. Um, c sections about money. You know, the medical system about money. You know, health insurance about money and, and and propping up sick people. Big pharma is about money. You know, like every single one of these things can be traced back in some way to like human psychology, uh, human health in a modern environment and how we're mismatched, which is like all the problems we have, right? And then, you know, then you have like the state and regulation and monopoly and how the state can get, gets involved. Everything gets worse. And that's a whole other topic. I'm basically an anarchist, right? If you had to label me something, I just believe there should be no state. It should just be free markets. Uh, so yeah, I mean, it's like how this applies to your everyday life is like a first principle would be, you have to do your own research on everything, everything. Like, I mean, everything, like if you're gonna have kids, you're gonna raise them. If you're gonna give them a shot, do your research, like get a, get a pro, get a con and then make your own decision. Right. And unfortunately, most of the decisions that people make, what career to go in, should I take on debt to go to college? Should I go into debt, buy a big house? I don't need Should I buy like three cars, car payments? Should I have all this credit card debt? Like all of these things, like investing in stock stock market, not knowing even knowing what it is, right? Like all of these things that people do because other people do them, most people have absolutely no idea how they even work. They don't know the basics. They don't know the numbers. They don't know the math. Like it's insane to me actually when I talk about this. I don't think about this very often because I'm so detached from it. You know, like, you know, you you, you go call me red pill. That's what some people call it. It's like you've basically woken up to how broken all of it is and how like what the matrix actually is. Um... And it can feel derogatory. And like, for me, I want to help people wake up. Is that That's my thing. Like, I don't want to shame them or judge them or feel like better than. I actually feel intense compassion that they're going through life lacking meaning. Like we have a meaning crisis right now. Like they don't understand these things. They're so trapped up in social media and distraction and paying bills and being debt and all these things that, that, that they never even questioned, right? And they could change all of it in a day if they just literally figured it out. And then for me, it's the kids, the kids that grow up. They grow up into this stuff. They're born into it. It's what they see. And they're supposed to just do what mommy and daddy did. And, you know, at least with the internet, this information is definitely opening up and like things like this and whatever. This is great. I mean, this is like a very important service. Every content creator, I think, is like doing a massive service for humanity, right? It doesn't feel like it at times, but it's it's a big deal, you know? Um, So yeah, I just, I want to help as many people wake up as possible and become like sovereign minded, uh, sovereign of body and health. Make your decisions for yourself. Choose and detached from like the shame and guilt and the societal and cultural and human indoctrination that as humans as homo sapiens sapiens we have a proclivity towards because we're we're pack animals we're you know we're pack creatures so yeah. it's all connected that's 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 the that's the, lo- the simple <laughs> the simple answer you know
0: yeah and i'm curious even you mentioning like the someone who is really trapped in it and like under the, the stress, which can like, I know for myself, it'll keep me in the, the loops of, of stress and in the, in that system. And so I'm, how does someone start breaking out of it if they feel like they're, they're trapped or rock bottom or starting to own?
1: Yeah. I think about this all the time. Like I, like it's, it's what I want to figure out. Like it's my life's mission to figure out. I don't, I don't have the answer though. I do have some ideas because I keep thinking about it and I've been doing some talks on it. Uh, I've, po- I've done a p- bunch of podcasts on it. Usually the question is like, why do some people change and acquire and like, you know, they have massive results and they take ownership and they get all this, like they basically live the lives that everyone wants to live. Why is it like only 5%? Maybe it's two, maybe it's 3% of of, of all humans get to do that. That's tragic. It should be 50% at least, right? But it's literally that many. And so it's like, why do some people get results? Why do some people change? And why do most people stay stuck in the same routines? and just afraid, and propagandized, and living in fear of whatever, why is that the case? And it, it ties back to uh, human psychology, right? Like, it's really, 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 really hard to do things that are outside the social norm, because 100,000 years ago, if you did that, you'd be clubbed to death, or they would just kick you out of the tribe, which is basically a death sentence, right? So, we have to understand that. We have to understand that our physical body, our, our our brain, our reptilian brain, all these things that are is an amazing creation of nature over like millions, billions of years of evolution that have got us to this point. We have to understand that so that we can then control it and then eventually flip it. Because what wins today, you'll see it. You'll see it all over. The people that win today that build massive brands or companies or whatever, they are always the iconoclasts. They are always the people that think differently. The famous Steve Jobs quote, think different, right? That literally is how you win today. Because in a world where, if you think about it, you're competing with every person on the planet that can get an internet connection. If you're producing content or art or a business or whatever, you're competing with literally the entire world. So what that does is that raises the quality. And the people that are awarded today are the people that are unique and that provide some kind of unique value and combination of value, right? And it's good. It's like, it's how we're moving forward and humanity is evolving and all these different things are awesome. But for the average person, it's like, they just want to live a meaningful life. You know, they want to like maybe have some financial security, have some good relationships, whatever. And you really have to like unlearn. You have to unlearn and escape all of it first. And the best metaphor is the matrix. It's like, watch that movie, which is so ahead of its time. Just the first one. The other ones are not really good, but like watch them if you're bored. Right. But the first one is like literally a work of art. And it is, it was so prophetic and where humanity was kind of like, starting to go because this was like even like really pre-social media, pre-internet, pre-COVID, pre-all this, whatever. I mean, it's amazing when you see that movie and you and you look at like the past two years, how like all these parallels and, and, and comparisons, it's, it's incredible, right? It's almost makes it seem like that was written by like aliens or something or whatever, but it's like most people live in the matrix. The matrix is some combination of what their society does, what their community does, what their coworkers do, what their parents did, um, what their spouses do, their partners do, what, uh the politicians say what is normal if you vote this way or that way right and then what is just like like just the cultural norms of this time in america if you're an american or this time in europe or whatever right most people that is their worldview that is the water they swim in and they don't they they don't even realize that it's the water around them that they can literally like they need to hop out of that pool into another one right that is way less crowded way more like way fewer. Um People like us that might be willing to have open minds and then explore alternatives, you know. And it's that's a very blanket term. I mean, we could get specific with some things on how to do that. I mean, everything. I'm telling you, like it's no joke. Money, investing, finance, kids, uh, child rearing. Like I said, health, fitness, even back pain. Like I, I, I've had some back pain in the past few years. I've been dealing with like, and a lot of people just go to surgery. But I did the research and. That actually a lot of times makes it worse. not even an option. So I'm correcting it through chiropractic and some other modalities and making progress. It's really freaking hard, but I'm making progress, right? And it's like, um, you know, big doctor visits, uh, hospital care, like literally every single thing there is that most people accept as like normal or routine or whatever. I've, I'm just on the other end of the spectrum. And that's all been a, a combination of usually doing, doing the work to understand it, do the research. But then also think for myself. And that's the really hard thing. Because back on, to finish this point out is like people that are rewarded today think different. 100,000 years ago, if you thought different, you would be weeded out of the gene pool, right? Because all, all the reasons we talked about, you'd be less likely to get mates, you'd be less likely to have kids, right? Hunter gatherers 100,000 years ago were really good at working together. And so their kids were really good at working together. This is just natural selection. This is just Darwin. It's like this selects for the species that best adapts to its environment. And in a group context in the wild, you're you're it's for the group, that's what wins. So individuals in that group have to play nice, think nice, and all think alike, basically. This is where you get groupthink from, basically, right? Today, though, it's completely different. I can control all my stuff around me, I can pay for food. I don't have to like rely on another human or group to give me my food or my or my mates or whatever. I can literally build my own tribe, even as you you know, right? So it's like it's actually flipped completely. Since we've been able to industrialize and we have food and all these supply chains around us, all these things that bring us all these comforts that we take for granted. So we don't have to spend the the energy to do it ourselves. We can now completely change the paradigm of group survival to individual flourishing. And I think that is the next epoch of humanity. And it will still be community-based because we're not gonna like change 200,000 years of, of evolution just because like we understand it. It's not gonna happen. Communities are going to matter. Humans matter. Relationships matter. In fact, it's the most important thing for the human animal. If you want meaning in your life, it's always going to involve other people. That's like a core thing. Right. And it's funny because we're living in a, a, a continually isolating culture. Meaning crisis, isolation, like all the suicide rates up, all these things connected, like drug use up, all these things. Right. Um, I think we're going to move to more self-selected societies, uh, communities I actually my life project is to build the first better human community which is going to ideally be 100 to 500 acres off grid maybe it's going to be within a couple miles or a couple hours of Austin you know fully self sufficient opted in we live there we you know we we're cooking out every day kids are running around it's just like a big amazing small community where everything is there and like people can come and visit and then we try to get them to stay if they really like it or whatever and just kind of like flipping it instead of living an urban life full time i think humanity is going to move to more of a natural um I don't like the word eco-living, but like an eco-living, for lack of a better term, kind of lifestyle, and then maybe use cities as like a place you go to for fun. I think the urbanization was really great for a lot of things, but now that technology has let us kind of decentralize, we're going to now move back out of, and we're already seeing it, we're seeing like farmland, people moving to rural areas, we're seeing cities kind of like come down or whatever, so it's happening, I mean, it's going to be like a 50 to 100 year process, but. I think that next phase is going to be much better for solving our meaning crisis and solving a lot of these things. Getting people back into touch with nature, doing hard things, using their hands, being in communities—you know, like telling stories around a fire, uh, the fire at night—like very simple stuff. That again, it's the basics of what makes humans happy.
0: And what is this? So this vision, when you wrote about it, I'm like so excited to to hear more. So what do you envision with like as far as timeline? What do you even? How do you even think of like creating this off the ground? Yeah,
1: that yeah, that's 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 a tough one because like I you know, I I I live in a city, (laughs) I have you know all the the responsibilities that go with that, and then kids, right? And so like I have to make money and and do that. Um, I mean, this is something that like I already I know of some people that are doing some of these communities, like some are doing, I mean, most of them are being done on a high-end scale with a lot of money and they're gonna be kind of luxury. I wanna do something that's way more accessible to people and not just reserved for people that have millions of dollars, right? Um, because the way it's going to really work is if we can get people to want to stay there. Right. Cause like I could buy a nice place in the country. We had one in Wimberley, actually, we lived there and we moved back. There was no community. And -hmm. I think a lot of people that buy like a rural plot of land, they they face the same problem. Either you have a massive family and you move with like your whole family or you go there and you're, you're isolated and it's not the thing. So I want to create a community where people like you probably have like 10 to 30 families that live there full time. And then you can have a section where people kind of come and visit, maybe have like a short-term rental aspect of it. And then you have like a central area where there's like activities and a pavilion and a theater. And like, you just basically build a place where people don't want to leave. It's like an adult summer camp and a kid's summer camp. And then you can do all kinds of cool things around that. And that, cause for me, that's how I want to live. That's how I want to raise my kids. I don't want to raise them in, you know, a, a clogged city where I have to drive everywhere. I want to actually get in a car like a couple times a month right? And just have everything right there. And so the the vision is to build that and maybe raise money or maybe just buy it with a few friends and start it small and then like have one family come at a time. There's a lot of ways to do it. It's probably like a two to three year plan for me, but I've already bought land. We had 10 acres in Wimberley. We sold it. I have a pretty good idea about like what I want to stay. So I think that will also translate well into when we do that project Uh, other people want to come and you know like yeah but it's going to be about getting people together that want to be there for more than just a weekend getaway it has to be something where people like you really build community to it and so there's a lot of ways it can happen but i'm just kind of like putting it out there in the universe and some people are already doing their own version of it you know like tucker max out in uh tripping springs He's, he's like building this little kind of like prepper community out there which is pretty cool you should look into what he's doing i mean he's like hardcore thinks the world's gonna end i'm not really there i was there for a while i don't think the world's gonna end but i think we need better modalities for living for modern humans. And I think if we can build that and show people, we can then also, what I want to do is open source it, like, kind of like what Elon did with his batteries. So, so Tesla, for a lot of people don't know, the battery technology for Tesla is completely open source, right? Any, you ask any car company on the planet, if they invented battery technology, they would not open source it because that's just like the old way of doing, doing things. Elon did it because his goal with Tesla is to move, move humanity to using battery technology. Now, whether you agree with that or not, it's still pretty awesome that that he did that. I want to use that same philosophy for this project. I want to make build a community, make it sustainable so that financially it's viable. Uh, in some some kind of business model, maybe short term rentals, maybe like summer camps, some way where. The, the land itself is like secure because it's paid for. Because a lot of these communities, what happens is people go into it and they have this kind of like hippie co- commune feel. And there's no like CEO, there's no like finance guy. It's just like people that want to live in nature. And those fail because for the very reason, it needs to be treated like a business. And when I treat it like a business and I show that there's a profit and loss and, and we can do this and maybe it can even make money, then I'm going to outsource that to other capital allocators so that we can do like them all over the world. So that's the bigger vision. That's, that's, that's what I'm working on for like the, rest of the second half of my life. So wow. sometime in the next few years, I hope to like maybe have the first plot and kind of like start, start from there.
0: This is amazing. And just even imagining like being surrounded by that kind of community and immersed in the, in the habits of other people that are eating well, that are morning exactly. meditating. It's like, it's so much easier to do that when you are, that's like, that's the norm. That's- well, that's
1: your environment that becomes who you are. And that's a big part of like, the theme is how, why do some people change and some don't environment is the most, is the most important thing. Now, for whatever reason, I've been, I wouldn't say blessed, but it's like my life has been one where we've had a small family. So it's not really like, it, it's its just the thing. It's not necessarily better. Like I do sometimes envy people with big families, but because I have a small family, I'm kind of like the head of the family, you could say. And so I kind of do what I want to do. And, and that's good in some ways because like, I don't have these outside pressures, but it's also like, it can be lonely and isolating at times. And it's a lot of responsibility or whatever. So it's like one of those things. And so some people are just in different situations so like if you live in a big family and they're all like voting this way and they're all political and they're all this they're all afraid or whatever like it's going to be hard for you i'm not going to make any uh like i'm not going to sugarcoat it it's going to be hard but you have to figure out a way to either overcome that or change it completely maybe spend less time with them maybe you find a community outside of that that can balance it like maybe find your like you know awake friends and you spend a lot of time with them and you just like you start maybe not spending as much time with your friends that want to party on the weekend every day. It's just like growing up in high school and you have toxic, toxic people that are maybe not good for you. You have like the people that want to work and do things like, you know, you have to find the people that, that you want to emulate and whatever they're doing. And then you have to spend as much time with them as possible. That's the one thing. Now, if you can't do that, I found you can find mentors through the internet. internet. <laughs> it's amazing. Literally, and I don't mean like you have to talk to them. Podcasts, YouTube, read biographies free courses, paid courses. The amount of, I mean, it's amazing. You can curate the people in your life through information, but you have to develop like a passion for it because most people don't do it. They want to like wa- watch mindless content or comedy or whatever, or TikToks. And so like to not do that, you got to be reading Nietzsche, watching YouTube videos on philosophy, like understanding what Taoism is and Wu Wei and the duality. And like, you have to develop an intense desire for that Um, And for reading in general too. And if you do though, as we see, like that's another superpower for the modern age. If you can consume information and use it, that's one way you can kind of create your environment, if you will.
0: Absolutely. I mean, that's. I feel like that's how I I was really bad sugar addict and that was it. It was just consuming lectures and it was just like constantly brainwashing myself.
1: Exactly, Um, yep.
0: So huge. And I'm curious for... I want to talk to you about more about you wrote like maximum truth, maximum ownership. What can you speak more to that?
1: Yeah. So we talked about, yeah, that this is the the, like grand idea. I want to, I'm, I'm already working on it, but my vision is a better human philosophy for modern humans. So foundational truths and principles that aren't going to change, right? Like kind of like what we talked about that are infusing, let's say, the biggest ideas of philosophy uh evolutionary psychology you know health the basics of health like getting outside eating real food like these are all just foundational they're not going to change and so i i have this idea for like a five pillar uh free open source program that will continually evolve that you can just go and you can follow and like learn and whatever and then pull on different threads that interest you and then eventually i want to turn into like you know videos and maybe some courses free courses maybe even a daily like training. I have this idea to kind of mimic what CrossFit did back in the day. They had the WOD, the workout of the day, which was amazing for building that movement. And so I, I would love to have something that is like a little bit like that, but a combination of mind and body. Cause everybody gets to train your body. That's like common fitness industry, multi-billion dollar industry. If you're a lot of people are in fitness, it's definitely a growing thing. That's great. But like, where is the philosophical training? Where is the mental training? Where is the, like the challenge, like challenge training where you ask a barista for 10% of your coffee just to like sh- like break your frame, like weird things like that to just continually push yourself in ways, you know? Because like a lot of people, if you told them to do that, they'd be like, I'm not doing that. It's cr- I'm so afraid. It's like, it literally doesn't matter. So like do it, like that kind of stuff. I would love to build a movement around that. I- I'm going to, really, it's just a matter of time. Um, and so the original question was like, it's a truth that I've come to and I'm working on branding it, but I did a talk on this recently and it's like, it's so... The hard part with this type of stuff is like packaging it into a couple words or sentences. Like it's so hard, right? It's so hard to do, but I'm getting there. Every time I talk about it, I think about it. I have this idea that, I mean, so Stoicism, right? So the Stoics say the basics are focus on what you can't control. The only thing you can't control is yourself. The only thing you should focus on basically is yourself, right? Instead, humans from our ancestral past were externally focused creatures because 100,000 years ago, our survival depended on others. But like we talked about, Today, it's actually the forcing of the individual. So if you can take complete ownership, and I mean 100% ownership, not extreme ownership, which would be 90% or 95. I mean, 100% ownership of everything in your life because only you can do that. Now, now this is where we get into like, what is perception, right? So your perception, your brain, your consciousness, if that ceases to exist, nothing exists, right? And so I tell people, you're the center of the universe. If you step over there, you're then the center again. It's pretty amazing. Nobody talks about this. Everyone thinks like the sun is the center. Or this is what no, no. Literally, wherever you go, you're the center because your perception, your perceiving of everything around you is the only reason anything exists, is because you have perception and consciousness to say it exists. Right. This is where you get like deep into it. And I try to get try to like get people to break this frame to think about this because it's all for the purpose of taking maximum ownership. When you first understand that only you can think, only you can feel, only you can say, only you can act, right? And what happens as a result of those things is completely outside of your control, right? I call it the success loop. It's, it's basically learning, but it's like you, take an, you have a thought, you take an action, that leads to a feedback. Then what do you do with that feedback? You have a thought, you take an action, feedback, thought, action, feedback. I call it a success loop. It goes around in infinite forever right? So every time I do anything in my environment, I'm observing my environment, I'm taking in data through perception, right? And then I do something, I move something, I pick something up, I I buy something, I market something, whatever. And then some feedback comes back, some data from my environment comes back. I then think about it, assimilate it, take another action and do it again and again and again and again. And this is basically learning, it's just learning, right? And, And the better you are at it, the more you are better at taking in information and then taking better actions and then learning and growing and taking better actions and better actions. I mean, that's all like personal development or building a business. That's all, that's all it is. It's just doing that over and over and over and over and over again. And what you notice is that the central inescapable thing to all of that is you, your perception and choice. Now, this is where that big idea comes in choice. I turned around calling it max choice. I don't know. I got to, I got to, I got to work on that, but every single thing in our lives is our choice. Now, it doesn't always feel like that. If somebody calls us a name and we feel crappy about it and we're angry, I would tell you that's your choice. Most people that are in a lower form of consciousness would tell you it's their fault they did it, okay? Okay, but okay, so let's say we agree that it's their fault they did it. Who has to deal with the repercussion of what they did? Who, like, can I go in your body and and think differently for you? Can I change how you feel about this? only you can't and this is true of everything literally everything and this is why we get into duality again and this probably applies like we what you do like with heart doing hard things and, and whatever it's like everything in life goes around it's infinite right and everything's connected and so oh, i lost my train of thought but i want to actually stay on the, on the choice the choice thing if everything is your choice Everything is your responsibility. Everything is your fault. Now, fault is a negative connotation for people, right? But I look at it as a beautiful, simple, freeing thing because I know it's just me, right? And when you you fully accept this idea of complete ownership, of maximum choice, everything is your choice. Every result you get or don't get, every feeling you have or don't have, everything you do or don't do is all you and you alone. Well, then it's so simple. You just focus on that. Why are you spending time worrying about what other people may or may not do? Why are are you living in the past or the future, right? The Buddhists will help you with that. You know, the Stoics figured this out a long time ago. I'm just trying to like rebrand it a little bit and bring it to the modern age by also applying evolutionary psychology, like understanding human nature, understanding how we look externally to people around us for survival, even though today it's actually more the individual we got to focus on. And then when I accept that complete choice, that complete ownership, I now have the most powerful thing I can have for dictating my future and reality, me. And for every ounce of energy I keep there, I have control. And I have the most control I'm ever gonna have. It's power. It's the ultimate power any individual can have. That's why I tell somebody that you're the center of the universe because you need to embrace your power. You need to embrace what you actually are capable of doing. And only you're capable of doing it. Right. And so that I need to package that and I need to help people figure that out, you know, and like it's a uh, it's a it's a huge thing, but it's a combination of the Stoics, combination of Nietzsche, it's combination of evolutionary psychology, it's combination of just like thinking about hard enough and using math. Like if only I can perceive and only I can choose, then why would I look outside myself? So here's here's a, here's a way to think about it too. If I said, choose for me. I want you to choose for me, whatever it is. Would that not be a choice? You. Choosing for me, because I, 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 I would have you choose for me, is still my choice. It, you cannot escape choice. When you can't escape choice, everything is your choice. And then when you understand how perception is, what perceives the environment, this and that, then you understand growth mindset. Then you understand the success loop where it's like action, result, whatever. When you understand all these things, you realize that like my life and the quality of it is entirely up to me and me alone. Literally me alone. Only me. Right? It doesn't matter if I buy a course. It doesn't matter if I do this. It's me. It's always gonna come back to me. This is why you have billionaires that are miserable. This is why you have poor, you know, poor people that are happy, right? They have nothing, but they're, they're they're happy. You can study it on their brains or whatever. It's why everything and nothing, like the world is complex, crazy, weird, but it's always choice. always come back to the individual. So I'm gonna take a break there,
0: yeah., well, and I just want to ask you with that really quick around like what your take is then on, just like, even like Carl Jung work of like the unconscious. And when, even when we're trying to make a conscious choice, if we're being run by these like unconscious programs, like where, I guess the choice of healing that or like recognizing a pattern yeah, and,
1: take, and taking ownership of it and, and working yeah. on it. Right. It's yeah. like, okay, so this actually came up in a talk. We did somebody made that a similar comment where it's like, if it's an un- unconscious response or whatever, it's like, well, who's, is it really my choice? Well, here's the thing. If you get emotional and you murder somebody, are you going to go to jail or not? Are you going to say, well, I just, it was unconscious and I was, it was emotional, whatever. Well, too freaking bad. Like it's still you moving your body, whatever. And what we tell people is like, control your anger. Okay, sure. Blanket term, vanilla, but we know we're supposed to, right? Everything we do is our responsibility. Whatever we think is our responsibility. If we haven't done the training. And so that stuff boils below the surface. And then we snap one day, it's still a responsibility. We just didn't do the training. Right. And so most of what I you're right, like most of what I want to help people do is do the training to get control of these things. A lot of them are subconscious. They say like 90 percent of our thinking and feeling is below the surface. That's fine. But you got to pull it out. Right. Meditation, hot, cold training, like literally just all these different modalities that we know about that become trendy. You know, the, the goal is to just control your mind, because when you control your mind, you control your life. And if you don't control your mind, you don't control your life. It all comes back to that. And your mind, if it's 90% subconscious, it's still your mind. It's your mind, and it's still there. It's still your responsibility, right? And until somebody can actually plug into your brain and re- reprogram it, like what, maybe with Neuralink like they're trying to do, until that happens, it's going to be the individual's responsibility. And, and to me, it's freeing and powerful because it's all me, and my life is as good or as bad or as average as I decide it is, and it's not anything more or less than that. Mm.
0: Thank you, Colin. So good. And I'm curious if you could share. I know we're close to time,
1: just about. I, I got 10, 15 minutes. We can go if you, you know. Oh, okay, good. I, I told the next person to just wait for me. They'll be okay.
0: Okay. Awesome. I wanted to ask you about the, just in regards to specifically sugar addiction. So, mm-hmm. with this ownership and taking control of that, like, what would you recommend for somebody? I know you had mentioned that you bought a safe for chocolate, safe for a safer freezer for yep, ice cream, you just like. Yeah, any, any tips for people listening? Because a lot of people are addicted to sugar.
1: Yeah. So the first thing is, um, if somebody says they're addicted to something, they've made a choice to be addicted to that thing. They have to take that ownership, that responsibility. I don't mean, ni- and I don't mean 90%, 97. I mean, 100%. If someone is addicted to sugar, they have made a choice. That choice might be subconscious. That might choice be on accident because they haven't done the training to control it. But either way, it comes back to them, right? It always comes back to you as the center of the universe, okay? Again, you're, and I mean, I'm not speaking about you, but I'm saying like the person is the one with the addiction. So it's literally that person, Okay. If you have people around you in your environment and the environment's a big one. I mean, that's where I would go first. You have to control your environment. You got to figure out what the triggers are. Uh, if stuff's around you, if like food is there because your family has it or whatever, then you got to do what I did. I bought safes. I literally bought safes and when I bring chocolate in the house, because I buy it sometimes it sounds good. And you know, it's funny, actually, since doing this, I actually crave chocolate less. It's kind of funny how that works, right? Like I, like I have probably five bars in the safe. I don't even think about, it. I don't ask, I don't even ask Allison for it half the time now. Right. Uh, I did not delude myself, maybe I did for years, but I, I no longer delude myself that I will just like use willpower, willpower, right? Which is just, that's a lie, it doesn't exist. No such thing as willpower. There's, there's just environment, right? And your body is designed to seek out energy-rich sources of calories, sugar being one of them because that's what it needs to do to survive because it thinks it's living on the savannah, not in a modern environment with refrigerators, right? So you have to control your environment to respect that power. Don't think you're going to be smarter than mother nature. That's kind of what it comes down to, right? If you hang out with people that are not good for you in some way, whether that is they get, they, they do, they, they steal, they do drugs, whatever. And you don't want to do that. Don't convince yourself that you'll just be different or you'll be better or you'll have real power. That's a lie. The same thing with food in your environment. If you keep it at your house, you're going to eat it. I've learned this a hard way. So, so I started first hiding things, but then I got really good at finding things. It was almost like fun. I would like wake up in the middle of the night and I would like, where was all those old hiding places? I would go and I would just like find like like nuts that or uh, squirrels that hide nuts and they like find them randomly. Like that's what I felt like. I had all this stuff stored everywhere and I would find it. <laughs> and so I was like, that's not working anymore. Then I saw all the safes and I was like, you know, let's just do it. I bought, I bought a little combination metal safe that stays up in her closet. That's for chocolate. Recently, my mom had some cookies for Christmas that she decided to make two weeks before Christmas for some reason. And there were no cookies left at Christmas time. Basically, because I knew they were in there, right? And so I got one of the ones. It's a plastic one that you can get on Amazon, and it goes in the freezer. And so that's if we eat like ice cream or whatever, because the same as ice cream. If I buy it, I'll have my scoop at dinner after dinner, but then I'm probably gonna wake up and eat more. So started locking it up, and of course, just buying it less that helps too, right? Don't don't get it, but it, you know if you don't want to eat it, but that's huge. Find a way to control your environment. If you don't control your environment, your environment will control you. So that's I mean that's like the the most important thing, and then you know, if you're if you're the type that's like trying to battle, you know, childhood traumas through like eating and stressing and all those different things, like that's not me, but I empathize because I've heard of many people that do t- struggle with that. So I'm not going to say it's like just by safe and you're good. I mean, I don't know. Maybe it's not good. Maybe it's not enough. Maybe you have to go to another, a, a completely different extreme, but you have to go to that whatever extreme that takes to get that done. And if you don't, that's your choice, right? Because remember truth. It's like, If you have to do something to fix it, but you don't go to the extent you need to go to fix it, then you've chosen to not fix it because you've chosen not to go to the extent you need to fix it. This is irrefutable math. This is not like, this is not anything but that. It's one plus one equals two. It's very simple. This is why it always comes back to individual and choice and control. It always comes back to you, the individual. It is all your fault. And what I see a lot from people, I see this a lot. They want, they want like, compassion from people or they want, they want to like, feel like, what's the word, you know, like, it's like the victim mentality of like, they want people to feel like, oh, poor you or whatever, like that kind of like victim mentality. And they they kind of feed off of that. That's supposed to make them feel better. But guess what? It doesn't change your problem. In fact, it more likely keeps you stuck in that problem. So when people go out and they they complain and they talk about this, it's so hard. It's this and that. That's all victim nonsense. And all that's going to do, the more you do that, the more you accept that, the more you think that, the more you talk about that, the more likely you are to stay exactly there. And so I'm I'm a fan of completely destroying any ideas of victim, anything, poor me, anything, uh, negative self-talk. That stuff is toxic. That, that that stuff is abuse. It's self-abuse. That's what I think it is. I think I think it should be that should be shamed out of our culture. Instead, we have a culture that is all about actually blaming somebody else. And I don't have to take responsibility. It's your fault, whatever. And basically otherwise playing the victim. I'm poor me. I'm marginalized. I'm a victim. I'm this. I'm that. Even though we live in the greatest, freest, most opportunity-rich time in human history. We still have people that believe you can't get ahead because the color of your skin, it's unbelievable to me. Right. And that's a, that's the topic from our day. But it's like it's incredible how prevalent. Modern society is with their victim mass psychosis that exists in the world today. So sad. For- it's sad because people get trapped into it, and I want to literally help them get out of it. You know.
0: <laughs> yeah. What would you say? Very first step if you're somebody that is trapped in a victim mentality right now or feeling
1: stuck. Maybe an accountability partner. Maybe, maybe, maybe it's a ther- maybe it's therapy once a week. Maybe it's just a friend that you say, hey, can you just keep me accountable or like talk to me for a little bit? Maybe it's canceling some friends or like canceling people you spend too much time with because they're toxic. I mean, people are probably the greatest environmental either opportunity or hindrance in your life, right? Because if you're, if you're stuck on people that are holding you back, no amount of willpower is going to overcome that. When you're around people that bring you up, no amount of willpower could keep you down. It's amazing, like how that works, right? And so it's like, use that to your advantage hugely, but then also control your environment, use technology, use like something as simple as buying a safe on Amazon if you need to. I mean, there's all kinds of things that you can do if you get creative and you look at it from a ownership perspective, right? Because again, it's not, uh, I have a sugar addiction, poor me, I'm compensating for childhood trauma or whatever. It's, I have, I eat too much chocolate, it's in my house, So I need to find a way to make that harder to get to. Okay. Let's try it. 40 bucks, a little bit of effort. Wow. This is amazing. It actually worked. And then you do that like with a lot of things and it it tends to build up. And like I just said a second ago, I don't even have as much of a chocolate craving anymore because I've done that. You could kind of say it's killed it almost like I actually eat like probably like a 20th amount of chocolate I used to eat. Like it's, it's crazy, you know? And I didn't, I didn't even realize that until now, but like, That's how you can control your environment. And then your biology changes because then your your hormones change, then your cravings change, right? And then all these things that like, like maybe leptin gets a little bit better and maybe your insulin gets a little bit better and all these things happen. And then you're like, wow, I've actually like overcome this. That's amazing. You know, and like I said, we're all different. Some people might might eat because it's, like a major identity trauma thing, and some of us might just eat because, like, we're evolutionary programmed to eat sugar. I mean, you should see what hunter gatherers do for honey. They'll climb up in trees, hundred feet in the air, and they'll get stung the whole time. They'll knock down things. You can actually see it on YouTube. Do like hunter gatherers eating honey or knocking down honey tree, and you'll see like it's crazy what they do to get it because it is so evolutionarily rewarding to them that they go to those extre- extremes, and they only have it like every so often too. So it's like, it lights up their brain like crazy. Now imagine that is always available. I mean, I got a big thing of honey in my cabinet. A hunter gatherer would think you're crazy. How do you not eat that every night, man? That's crazy. Like, so it's a lot of stuff. I, I, But the first place to start is always people and environment. And people, environment kind of go hand in hand, but you can think about them differently. Like environment could be like your home or where you live, your office. And then people are the people around you that you spend most of your time with.
0: So good, thank you, Colin.
1: <laughs> my pleasure, so much fun to talk about. <laughs>
0: And I'm curious for you if anyone wants to find you, how can they connect with you?
1: Yeah, uh, the Better Human newsletter is uh, thebetterhuman.co. And it's a sub, I'm on Substack. So it's betterhumans.substack. But if you just go to thebetterhuman.co, you'll find it there. And then I'm on Instagram, Twitter. Uh, I was on TikTok, but then I don't know. It's weird. I just got over it. TikTok's kind of bad, toxic. It's also, it, it can be powerful, but. I don't, know, I don't know how I feel about TikTok just yet, to be honest. <laughs> it can be powerful, but most people don't use it for that. And I just kind of fell out of the habit. And I had, I had quite a few followers there. So it was like one of those things. But, um, you know, you can't always do things for just the money or the attention or whatever. You got to do things for you, what feels right. And it just started to not feel right. So I stopped doing it.
0: Totally. You know, what,
1: you know what it is? I'll tell you exactly what it is. I started paying too much attention to politics. And I knew that I wanted to start to get out of that. And so every day when I would go to TikTok, I'd find something to complain about because that's what TikTok rewarded. Complain about something in politics to get a bunch of views. So I started doing that. But then I started not liking doing it. And even though I had 20,000 followers without really trying, I'm like, I'm going to slowly start not doing this. If I go on and talk about what we just talked about here, like, it's just not, it's not the same. Like I'd have to like brand it a certain way. It'd have to be very small. It would take a lot of time and energy. And I just don't have the time or focus to do that. I do think there's a medium on TikTok for like, aspirational content i do think there's it's a great place you can learn but it's way harder and it's just not in my my thing so i just kind of like fell to the habit
0: yeah that makes sense it's so good to recognize if it was drawing you to focus on
1: yep Yep.
0: yeah and for last piece of wisdom colin if you were going to die tomorrow what would you want to leave the world with like what did you just Mm -hmm. want people to know
1: yeah it would be It would be this idea of of complete ownership and the max truth, maximum truth, maximum ownership. This idea that every single thing in your life is your responsibility because only, because it only can be you, right? Like again, I can't think for you, I can't speak for you, I can't act for you. I can give you advice, maybe you follow it. But, you, but that would still be you. And then if you follow advice and you get some results, maybe you feel good about the results, maybe you don't feel good about those results, but that's then your responsibility to figure it out. Do you take different action? Did you not go far enough? Whatever, it, it just, it always comes back to you, the individual, which is why you, the individual is the center of the universe. Everywhere you go, everything exists around you. Everything is around you. It's all you. When you feel pain, when you feel despair, when you feel like maybe you want to end it, it's, it's, it's you, it's in your mind. And it's like, you know, there's some good quotes about like the, the inner world can be like a heaven or hell or whatever. I mean, it is so true. Like life exists inside of our minds and it is appalling how little attention is paid to understanding that and trying to control it and then use it for good, right? Good in our lives to create meaning, but then good in, to create meaning for others, Right, I believe that humans, you know, monkey see, monkey do. This is who we are. The more better humans we create, the more like sovereign, free thinking, iconoclastic, you know, just everything we've talked about on the show. Like the more people that take ownership of their lives and do these things, the more that spreads individual to individual to individual, and that's how we flip it all. Because we, we, we're, you know, today is like two thousand years of peak centralization, peak industrialization, peak profit, peak speed, peak whatever, and it's been really great. It's brought us all these amazing technologies. I love it. Right. But with it has come, 60% plus obesity rate. One in three children are obese. Heart disease and cancer kill 1.5 million people a year, way more than COVID ever did or whatever. Nobody talks about that. About 2.5 million Americans every year die from lifestyle-related preventable diseases. Okay. So again, like you're afraid of something you can't see, but then you're walk, you're walking to McDonald's or drinking coke or eating seed oils and acting like it's okay and normal just because everyone else is doing it. It is it is. The definition of insanity and it saddens me because yeah some people don't care some people don't know but the children they have no choice they are just brought into it and they are set up with these lifelong habits that they're going to struggle with forever and our species is devolving it's declining if you actually look at the numbers you know and so like it's a pretty big deal we also have depopulation problems like elon talks about this a lot like people think that we're overpopulating Earth. Japan and even the United States and other industrialized nations, birth rates are declining. Like, it's like it's a, that's a problem. You know, I also believe that we should have a trillion humans because we'll colonize the solar system and we'll mine every rare ma- material in the universe. And we'll like, the universe is massive. I mean, come on, you, you guys are worried about like not having some water or power. The sun is a fusion reactor. It just like sits there and gives us free energy. Like, there's so much space and abundance, it's insane. And when you escape this idea that like scarcity, earth, food, whatever, and you like expand beyond that, you realize that everything's possible. It's It's just organizing atoms in a certain way. And we'll get there. As long as we don't blow ourselves up first. And as long as we keep having more children and more humans so that we have more Einsteins and more Teslas and more Elons and more Steve Jobs and just more individuals, that is how we create utopia basically is more of that. And then just letting people, live their own lives, do their own thing, uh, taking ownership of their lives. That, that's, that's the dream, you know? So I'm, so I'm very optimistic. There's so many problems in the world, but we still live in the greatest, most abundant time in human history. That's the thing you gotta remind yourself of. The greatest, most abundant time in human history, the safest, greatest, most abundant time in human history. Like imagine living in the medieval times, crap in the streets, rats everywhere. Like, no. Like we're so lucky. It's insane. That's my last bit of wisdom. <laughs>
0: that is such a good note to close on and gratitude for where we're at. And, and just so empowering to to hear you, even for myself, just to.
1: to- well, thank you for that. And thank you for giving me a chance to talk about it. Yeah. Well, like I I'll- said, it matters, you know, doing what you're doing and in person and digitally. So it so matters because we change one person at a time. Like. Like, that's how it works. That's that's how humanity evolves. It's 1% at a time. It's always viral. It's always ref- word of mouth, you know? One technology at a time, 1% at a time, one new thing at a time. That's how, how we grow. Thank you.
0: Mm-hmm.